We just celebrated what holiday again, guys? Epiphany, also known as what? Three Kings Day. Three wise kings. Now, let's see what you guys know of the three wise kings or the three wise men, right? There's a song we sing during Christmas, right? We three kings of Orient are traveling. We traveled afar, westward leading, still proceeding. Right? You guys know that song? We've got him on our nativity set. That's right. Now, you'll notice that when I set up the nativity, I like to place them a little further away. Do you know why? They were traveling. Now, let's break this down. The star that they were following, when did that star appear? Think about it. At Jesus' birth, right? At Jesus' birth. So, if they were coming from afar, and the most preferred method of transportation back then was either camel or horse, and more than likely in their case it was camel, how long do you think it would take them? Two or three days? You think so? Now, let's break this down. How long do you think it would take us to get to Austin on camel? Probably a little closer to that. Yep. You know, I love Google, okay? I love Google. And you can get, let's ask Google, okay? Let's ask Google right now how long it would take us to get to Austin, Texas. So let's go Austin, Texas. Let's ask. Austin, Texas. And we'll just figure out how long because a camel doesn't go that fast, guys. It is not going to be anything near horse speeds, let alone car, guys. So... Austin, Texas. We want to go there. So let's find a place to go to Austin. So let's go. Let's see. Let's just pick up. We want to go see the Capitol building. Let's see. More direction choices. We don't want to drive. We want to walk. Right? So just to Austin... We are looking at a one-day walk. Now, if we were riding on a bicycle, we may be seven hours. So, let's try Dallas. Yep, it would take us a day to walk to Austin. Four days. Four days if we were walking to Dallas. Now, keep in mind, that when it says walking, this is at a pace that most of us don't ever actually ever walk <laughs> for extended periods of time. And so, now let's relook at this. So, the star didn't appear until Jesus was born, right? They were probably coming a lot further than the distance from San Antonio to Dallas. So, how long do we think it took? That'd be like going to maybe New Orleans, right? 
because let's be realistic. Are we going to travel nonstop? We're going to have animals to feed and water and break, right? Because, I mean, they're going to need breaks. Blisters on our feet because, I mean, we don't want to ride the whole time. Oh, yeah, we're going to have to find water. That may include a detour because it may not be on our given path. We sing those songs. We've traveled afar, you know. And we don't really stop to put it together. They were coming probably from the Middle East, right? So from Turkey to what? Jerusalem? Bethlehem? So let's ask Google because just to Dallas was 251 miles and it took us four days to get there. How far is it from Turkey to Bethlehem? The distance from Turkey to Bethlehem is 807 kilometers. 807 kilometers. So, who's good at math? How many miles is that? How many miles is 807 kilometers? 807 kilometers equals 501.447 miles. So it's about double of going to Dallas, right? An eight-day trip. But that's assuming that they left right away and that they didn't have to stop, right? And that they could travel directly, straight on, right? And that's assuming that it was Turkey and it wasn't further west. So... The star didn't appear until the baby was born. And you remember, when we look at the scripture, they get sidetracked along the way, right? Who do they run into? Let's look at the scripture in Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who had been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, verse 3 tells us they did not go directly to the stable, did they? And it was not like the star was a homing beacon. Where did it get him to? Jerusalem. They followed the star to Jerusalem. And they come and ask King Herod. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. So it sounds like they may have been in Jerusalem for a little bit of time, right? Because he had to have time to consult. Herod had time to consult his advisors and chief priests who had time to consult the writings and documents. 
And then he calls them back to them. And he says, it's, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. As they had heard, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, it says, when they saw the child, does it say Jesus was a baby? We always often picture it that way, don't we? And sometimes we think, well, child, baby, you know, those words can be interchangeable, right? But if you look over at Luke, chapter 2, verse 16, it talks about when the shepherds, went to Bethlehem, right? After they had been told by the angels. And we know that the shepherds left like right then and there. The angels came to them that night and the shepherds took off from their fields to go see the Jesus, right? And verse 16 says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. So the shepherds found a baby. But by the time... The Magi get there. They stop where the place where the child was. Now, interestingly enough, it doesn't even say that they were in the same place that the shepherds visited the Magi in. Now, the word Magi here literally means... wise scholars from the east we thought turkey but most scholars think that this even means oriental so more than likely they were coming from asia now we knew that it was about 500 miles from turkey to bethlehem but if we were traveling a little further we can picture that on a map, can't we? It's a lot further than we would think, right? They were probably coming from the kingdom of Persia and where Babylon was once located. They were smart, educated, and curious. They were people who studied the stars. That's why when the star came up at the birth of Jesus, they were attracted by it. I mean, they'd been studying the stars for their whole lives. It's who they were. And this one came up out of nowhere and was special. They could tell by looking at it. 
and it made them want to follow it, right? They were attracted west by a star. They came from the area where the Israelites were exiled over 700 years previous. And it seems, you know, how did they even know? They've been studying prophecies of stars, right? It says, where is the one who had been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. They knew who that star belonged to. They knew what the star meant, didn't they? Because they studied the star. They had studied the prophecies. While the Israelites had been in exile there, they had left their scriptures, the prophecies of Messiah behind, and it had stuck with these learned people who were educated and curious and read whatever they could get their hands on. They were familiar with the messianic prophecies from the Old Testament. Numbers 24:17 says, "I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and it shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Seth." So a star shall come up. And that's in Numbers. So these were scriptures that the Israelites had as a prophecy of their Messiah. And these scholars, these magi, these wise men, studied whatever they could read because they liked to learn things and they learned about the Messiah. And so when the star appears, they gather their things. Now, how long does it take for you guys to pack? How many of you guys can be packed and ready to go on a long-distance trip for an undecided amount of time in over, in under an hour. Pack up everything, be ready to move. Now, how many of us, more realistically, may take a little bit longer? Keep in mind, there are a couple of things we do not know. There's a couple of things they didn't know. How long we were going to be traveling for. What we were going to need on our travels. Where we were even going. How long we were going to be gone. And when we would get back. They may have essentially been prepared to move. They didn't know where they were going. They were following a star. They knew in an estimate from numbers, right? In Jerusalem, the main city. It's probably why they went there first, right? A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Jerusalem was the main capital, the city, the hub. Of Israel. So maybe that's why they went to Jerusalem first. And they figured if anyone knew about this king who had been born, it's got to be the now king, right? King Herod. So they went to Herod. And Herod got the religious scholars together and they found the scriptures about the Messiah. And they further reviewed the scriptures. They said, well, it's not just in Israel, it's in Bethlehem. So they set out for Bethlehem, and the star led them to where they needed to go. 
Now, how many wise men were there? Three. Now, I want us to look again at Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 all the way down to 12. Who can tell me where it says there were three? Anyone find it yet? Let me save you some time. It's not there. The scripture never identifies or limits it to three wise men. Do you know why we probably think there was three? Because of the three gifts. Because in today's society, in our mind, you do not give the same gift someone else gives, right? I'm like, come on, though. One of them was gold. Would you not mind getting that more than once? These were expensive gifts, people. I would not be the kind who said, you know what? You don't get to come in and see Jesus because you brought the same gift the last guy did. So, and it doesn't really limit it to those three either, right? We talk about what? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Right? Gold, incense, or and myrrh. And we give special meanings to all three of those gifts. Things that would be significant, that would later play a part, that were prophetic gifts almost. Because they kind of would hint to what laid before him. Things that would be used to anoint him at burial. But we think of three and we limit it because three gifts that we talk about. Some have even gone as far as to name the Magi, right? Just three of them, right? In that song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, right? There's names. There's not names in the scripture passage, though. It's a great story, this story of these wise men who dropped what they were doing. To follow a star. But when we look at just the surface of the story, and we don't delve a little deeper into it, we miss the real lesson behind the wise men. First of all, they probably didn't spend days traveling. Probably not even weeks. More than likely, they spent a couple years traveling. 
following a star to the king. Now, keep in mind, these men were not Christians. They weren't from Israel. These weren't people who were awaiting a deliverer. They knew the prophecies concerning the Messiah. But it wasn't their Messiah when they went looking for him. They were just curious people. They wanted to know. Reminds me of one of my favorite authors who set out to disprove God and instead became a believer. He was curious. He wanted to know. These wise men, however many of them there were, sought after something because they believed that to obtain the knowledge of it was worth any sacrifice. They were well learned. They enjoyed to read. Any kind of book they could get their hands on, actually. But some of them were scriptures. How many of us could say we're that familiar with the scriptures? The scriptures are what led them to Jesus. And interestingly enough, the scriptures are what can lead us to Jesus. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. In Acts 4, 12, And there is salvation if no one else, if, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among, given among men by which we must be saved. And John 6.37 says, All that the Father gives will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. The scriptures can still lead us to Jesus. Question is, is are we ready to make that journey? To put aside whatever we may have to do. That video we watched earlier, was a modern adaption of wise men who had to set aside the things they were doing to seek out the God, to seek out Jesus. And sometimes in our efforts to seek him out, we may have to set aside our own self, our own wants, our own desires. But that's what makes us wise in recognizing where the true importance lies. The Bible points us to Jesus in whom we find our way to God, and it points us to the only one who can save us, who will never turn away from us. The scriptures lead us to Jesus. It's a reason for rejoicing. They followed a star, right? 
then it says, when they got close, they were overcome with joy. Overcome with joy at the prospect of seeing Jesus. This morning we sat, started off singing the song, Joy to the World, the what? The Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Verses of that song talk about the very nature of earth rejoicing. Rocks, hills, and plains, right? Repeating the sounding joy that Jesus has come. We spent our weeks of Advent learning how through the birth of Christ we can see the love of God in our lives and how that love needs to play out in our lives. That his love isn't just a gift or a treasure for us to keep to ourselves, but instead it's a gift and a treasure for us to share with others, to give gifts to those who need it. As wise men, if we are still seeking him, searching after Christ, the gifts, the treasures that the wise men brought Jesus are given to the people on earth. In the following of the scripture in which Jesus tells us, what you have done to the least of my brothers, you have done unto me also. When we give those gifts to others, we are giving those gifts to the Lord. They worshipped him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He wasn't their Messiah when they started that journey. But by the time they finished it, by the time they had met Jesus, they had truly met the Messiah. He became their Messiah. And they worshipped him. Do we worship him? Do we worship him with all that we are? He is worthy of us and our praise. And whatever treasures we may have. You see the wise men, they bought gold frankincense and myrrh but the scripture also says you know they brought all of their treasures they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts we sang a song a few weeks ago the little drummer boy it says well what gift do i have fit to give a king right and sometimes we may feel like that what do we have to give a king what gift do we have we don't have gold, frankincense, and myrrh laying around. And our self-doubt about the worthiness of the gift we bring may even prevent us from giving a gift at all to him. But what do we treasure? What do we hold dear? Nothing in our lives should be more valuable that we wouldn't lay it down for Jesus. Nothing should be so treasured that we would let it outshine Jesus in our lives. 
and nothing should stand between us and our Lord. And so if you're looking for a gift to give him, think of what may take you away from him and surrender it. The little drummer boy plays a song on his drum, right? It's what he had. He gave his talent for the service of the king as a gift to the king. What kind of talents do we have? He not only gave his talent, he gave his time, right? By playing a song for the king. Do we give our time to the Lord? In a world that is moving so fast, that's one thing we do treasure sometimes, right? I just don't have the time. We worry about finding time to accomplish everything we need to, want to. And oftentimes, our relationship and our service to the Lord go on the back burner. Because there's always another day, right? There's always someone else to help. But I'm reminded of a scripture passage in Matthew a little further back. Where Jesus is talking to them. And if you have a subtitle, one they often call that passage, The Sheep and the Goats. And the goats are going, Lord, when did we see you? Hungry, thirsty. When were you sick? Naked. When did we fail to clothe you? And the sheep did those things. And they asked the same questions, though. Well, we remember that guy on the corner of the street that we gave some money to, or the guy that we gave a meal to. We remember him, and we've seen his need, but that was you? Jesus says what we do for the least of our brothers, we do unto him. And so we are called to share our treasures with those who may need it most. And so the question is, are you willing to make that sacrifice, though? To step out? Jesus is not looking for the powerful. He's not looking for the smart, the rich, or the scholarly. He's looking for the wise who have the ability to discern, to understand what Jesus is teaching us. That's what it means to be wise. To not just have knowledge, but to understand that knowledge. Let's be honest. Some of the wisest people we may know aren't wise because they hold multiple degrees, are they? They're wise because of how they handle life. How they look at the world. How they treat people in the world. Jesus is looking for those who understand the basic truth, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is looking for those who will seek after him above all else. Who will put aside whatever they have waiting on their docket, if need be, and embark on a journey of following him wherever it may lead. 
This is a new year. It's a new journey, right? Each year starts us anew. New opportunities to arise. New things to face. But I want us to approach this year with the commitment that we will strive to be wise. A wise people that seek after the Lord. We're going to listen to a song, and as it plays, take this time in prayer. Just to reflect over what may lay ahead of you for you this year. Make the commitment to seek Jesus. Still see 
Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now this day. May we indeed be wise and still seek after you. May we realize how much we really do need you, how much the world needs you. And may we make that commitment to be willing to share you, to share the light with those who need to know, those who may still be in darkness. Help us to follow you, to seek after you, and to live in your ways. We ask all these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.